Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hey friends, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and we have a great episode for you this week with not one, but two special guests, Valerie Bell and Matt Markins. Valerie and Matt both provide leadership to Awana, a global leader in child and youth discipleship. Valerie serves as CEO, and Matt is the President and Chief Strategy Officer. Together, they wrote a book entitled Resilient, Child Discipleship and the Fearless Future of the Church. In this episode, Valerie, Matt, and I focus on an incredibly important topic, the discipleship of children. Valerie and Matt share what Awana has learned through research and their global discipling ministries that provides fresh insights into effective children's ministry, including an important three-part framework for fruitful, lasting impact with kids. Their commitment to equip the church, not only for today, but for the future is so evident. So now won't you please join me in my conversation with Valerie Bell and Matt Markins. Valerie and Matt, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. So great to have you with us. Thanks. It's good to be with you. It's great to be with you. Excellent, excellent. Now, many in our audience, uh, those who are listening in, are, are probably familiar with Awana. Um, we've met, we may have either grown up going to Awana as kids um, or have seen it in our churches. But for those who don't know, can you give us a brief, maybe two-minute explanation of the ministry itself? Well, I think what people think of when I wear an Awana apparel through an airport and people stop me and say, Awana, (laughs) I did that when I was a kid. They're usually thinking about um, the clubs that they were a part of that were church-oriented clubs and where they came and there were lots of games and there was lots of fun. There was also scripture memory and um, that was one of the uh, foundational parts of Awana. And um, so, you know, in a sense, that's uh, what people think of. It has changed through the years uh, and uh, in many very interesting ways. So it's not just a local club anymore. Um, It has uh, grown into a global ministry. So uh, Awana um, probably 10, 12 years ago decided to go international, but they couldn't afford, the the countries couldn't afford the model that we hear here in the States. And I think this was, uh, Jason, a holy moment in that they decided, the leadership here decided, and this was before I came, I had nothing to do with this, but I so affirm it. They decided to go to a leader-based model. So they would equip and train the leaders and then give them everything they needed to run Awana uh, in their nations, in their countries. And so, you know, 10 years ago, I'm, I'm kind of rounding this off in terms of years, I think, in, in the number, but uh, we were about a million kids, and that was mostly here in the United States. And so today, uh, there are 5 million children who participate in Awana Weekly wow. in over 120 countries with 50,000 church partners. And Awana uh, is in um, the Kibera slums. Uh, we are in refugee camps. We're even in bordellos in India. Um, somebody thought that was a great idea because there were kids there. Mm. And so it's become yeah. one of the, I, I say, um, in terms of the missions world, Awana is the Uber of the missions world because we can reach a kid anywhere for the duration of their lifetimes for under $10 for their 
that's not per month. That's once. Wow. <laughs> and that's because of its national. It's because of our nationals that we're able to do that. Yeah, that, that's fascinating. I, I remember one of the things I met um, Valerie with you and Matt a couple years ago in Chicago, and we were just having a conversation. And that's one of the things that really surprised me. I didn't realize the international reach and the massive international impact that Awana was having um, really around the world. And that was kind of eye-opening for me as I, like most people, you know, thought of Awana as, as something happening in churches across North America for the most part and, uh, and uh, as a children's ministry. But uh, really um, opening yourselves up and looking for creative ways to engage children around the world, I think, has, has, has probably changed a lot of how you operate as an organization um, as well. Can you speak a little bit to um, some of those changes that as you began to look more globally, um, what were some of those changes that, that brought about for your organization? Well, to to, Val, to Valerie's point, you know, when we when we switched to that lease model, we began learning as a as a global leadership team what God was doing through a different approach. And Awana in the U.S. To, again, to Valerie's point earlier, were very known for these Awana clubs, and we'd been doing very similar methodology for many decades. But unfortunately, some churches were championing the methodology over children, and we like to say you know, children over curriculum, um, because many kids are coming to church and they're progressing through the program, but maybe there's not a loving, caring adult who recognizes them and who uh, realizes this is a child and I need to reach and disciple this child's heart, not just put them through a program. So about a decade ago, we, we made a shift that we began saying one mission, many methods. Mm. So uh, that was a pr the initial process that began to help us to pivot here in the U.S. So the outside of the U.S. was actually a catalyst to what to, to really precipitate the change that was happening here in the United States. And then we began to look at the change in our culture here in the United States and recognize that there were some seismic shifts that were affecting children. And the results of those seismic shifts were things like our kids were becoming screen disciples. That's where they were going to the internet to be consulted on who they were, uh, you know, what they dressed like, uh, what they thought. Uh, they were experiencing the breakup of their homes. 50% of children now in the United States will experience the uh, breakup of their homes before they grow up. And the church was even being impacted in that we found in uh, our studies that church-going children are only actually they're 1.7 times a month, which is around 24 hours for a whole year. Mm. And we began to look at ourselves and go, we're missing the boat. How can we create disciples? How can we raise disciples? And, and we asked ourselves the hard questions like, Awana, are you producing Bible memory champions or are you creating disciples? Can you do both? Um, and we began to really uh, do a lot of self-examine and recognized, you know, we can stay really busy in children's ministry and we can be giving them all kinds of fun things and, you know, even Bible stories that don't necessarily translate into how am I going to live in this culture that's becoming increasingly secular and hostile towards Christianity. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's excellent. And Matt and Valerie, I, uh, you guys have offered a lot right there. So I wanted to take some time and kind of dig into some of the things that you both have raised as you've been looking at this shift. 
And uh, because I think a lot of our listeners, uh, our pastors and ministry leaders who are listening right now, you know, reflecting on the children min- children's ministry that's taking place in their local churches uh, currently, and probably wrestling with a lot of the same questions that that your organization has wrestled with. And and the beauty of Awan is you have had uh, the resources and the heart to do a lot of research that uh, a local church pastor would not necessarily be able to do on their own. And so, uh, and you've taken a lot of that research and you've put it to exactly, you know, how you are uh, functioning and how you are really living out uh, ministry uh, alongside children. And so let, let's dig in a, a little bit. And I know the two of you, you co-authored a book entitled Resilient, Child Discipleship and the Fearless Future of the Church, which I love that that subtitle, by the way. And uh, one of the things, and Matt, you, you brought this up, one of the things that you raised in your book was um, a question that probably all of our um, churches, all of our children's ministries need to kind of wrestle with. And you touch on this, Matt, the, the idea of have kids taken a second place to curriculum or to programming? And so I'd, I'd love to dig a little more into that. Um, can you talk to us a little more about um, how a, a church would even recognize if their curriculum and programming is uh, kind of the, the priority over kids? Because I think every children's ministry is going to say, no, kids are the priority, right? So what are some things they can process through to reflect on that question and determine kind of where they are at this time? Well, one of the things that keeps us up at night is just the sheer volume of tasks that the children's ministry leaders responsible for yeah. in the local church. I mean, there, there's VBS, there's Sunday school or small group, large group, there's special events, there's running the nursery. We can just go on and on and on. And it's, it can be a bit of a, a treadmill, you know, in terms of Sunday comes every week, right? So there's a lot of activities, but the, it's, it's, it's the wisest among us that's paused is long enough to say, what are all of these activities and all of the ways I'm spending my time, energy, and resources, what are they adding up to? So we did four research projects over the, over the course of a few years. And, you know, what we heard from the children's ministry community was we certainly have a heart to make disciples. I mean, that's, that's our aim to your point of your question. Like that's what we're after. Mm-hmm. We, we also heard that we think we put a little too much emphasis on fun and edutainment. And the third thing we heard is that, you know, sometimes we do make decisions on based on what's best for the adults, not what's best for that child's uh, spiritual development, their discipleship journey. So all, all of that kind of pointed to one single point in our research, which we discussed in chapter eight. And we asked them, we asked our uh, participants the question, how carefully are you and your team evaluating, tracking, and measuring the success and the impact of the children's ministry in your church? And it was just under the 50% mark. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, just think about, Jason, think about all of the energy we put in to our ministry. But the children's ministry community, we're all looking at each other, kind of shrugging our shoulders and saying, we just don't know uh, that what we're doing is having long-term impact. And that's pretty significant because if we're taking our kids to college and we're looking at the GPA, graduation rate, all these things that the universities pride themselves in, they basically say, this is worth your investment. The local church with children right now, we just don't know that we're spending our time in ways that are going to most influence long-term spiritual fruit. Yeah, that, that, that's good. So, so what would you say are some of the things that you've learned that – you know, th- some of the right investments to make for discipling 
children? Like, what are some of the things that maybe uh, Awana specifically, as well as, you know, maybe a local church ministry might have been doing in the past uh, that you've shifted because you can, you, you've seen something that is more effective? Well, there's, there's three key areas, and Valerie will talk about them, but just I'll help kind of pivot this here. Um, but so we, we took a look at the Gospels. We wanted to know how did Jesus make disciples? We took a look. The second area is we took a look at research. We wanted to know what does research say are the fewest number of contributing factors that have the highest impact? And the third thing that we did was we looked at all of the stories in Awana's history. We have 70 years of of history of, of real life stories that we get, whether they're emails or letters or videos sent to us. And we put, so we put all that together. We put the research, the real life stories, and how did Jesus make disciples in the gospels? And we came to three primary factors that have the most influence. So the, those three factors are belong, believe, become. So, so belonging, that's highly relational. So it's a highly relational ministry led by a loving, caring adult. believe deeply scriptural, ministry. So obviously the gospel is important. Scripture is important. Uh, so it's being deeply rooted in God's word. And that third element become that's, that's truly experiential ministry. That's designed to move kids out of the kind of simulation type environment that church can be into real world uh, faith application. So Christian, Christian Smith, we discovered this in our research. He's the author of souls in transition. Um, and one other one that's not coming to the tip of my tongue, but uh, Christian Smith tells us in his research that these three key factors, when they're present together, are far more likely to produce long-term spiritual fruit and discipleship into that student, into that child's young adulthood. This is huge uh, for those of us who are working in kid men areas because uh, let's, you know, I want to be the interrupter and fill in those uh, categories a little bit more, Matt and Jason. So that belong piece uh, is particularly as it relates to a child being exposed to the faith of a loving, caring adult. And so, you know, when we do exit polls here at Awana, we want to know why they're exiting Awana. And the number one reason they give is that we can't get volunteers. And when I hear that, I realize that church is on its way out. That church is on its way out because when we stop making children a priority and we think only about what we need as adults today, 2050, when these children are going to be adults, is going to be pretty disastrous. It's going to be pretty bleak for the church. And so, you know, we're calling the church back to its uh, responsibility and its love of not only children, but of the future of the church and saying, you know, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You, all you have to do is be a, a leader who can give belonging to a child. And, and we're even looking at this phrase, generational guardian, because uh, one person wrote us and said, you know, I worked in Kidman for 30 years, but my kids are gone now, and I wonder who's praying for my kids. You know, once they step out of the church, all of a sudden they're gone from our lives. Mm. I don't think so. I, I think that we could develop a whole um, new generational model of sticking with kids as the loving, caring adults in their lives that give them belonging. So that's that affection. Where are our kids' hearts? And we can do the work to give them belonging and attachment and connection. So that's that first B. So believe talks about your worldview. In other words, what is true? And we know that the secular culture fights the 
uh, the very concept of God truth. They fight that there could be absolute truth. And so they want to give a structure, a belief system, uh, um, a catechism, some people are calling it, of truth that is uh, completely subjective in a, about you. So, you know, as we look at the messaging of the secular culture around it, it is a self cult. It is about self. And those of us who've been around very long know if we've ever lived like that, it's a path to destruction and, and great unhappiness. Mm -hmm. So here's this global picture of um, belief that is um, huge. It's a huge um, uh, belief system. It's not narrow. It's not small. You will grow for years in it, that kind of thing. So belong, believe, talking about truth in our worldview, which is biblical. That's where we get our truth. Belong, believe, become. And uh, Matt, do you, I've been talking so long. Do you want to do belong? No, no. I, you, know, you know, Valerie, I was just thinking uh, when talking about <laughs> When talking about belief, you know, if I'm listening, I might be thinking, well, duh, sure, certainly worldview, the gospel and the Bible is important. Um, but what's unfortunate is that many churches have moved to kind of like a Bible light strategy uh, where the gospel is not central. And, uh, and unfortunately, this has become a really big deal. Uh, but when you when you look back at the research, you look back at what did Christ do? scripture being central and being a part of the core of what we're doing uh, is very important. And by the way, all of our personal or all of our Awana research projects continue to show the same thing, that Bible teaching and Bible learning and Bible engagement are just a huge key factor in that long-term impact. And then, and so, and then the third element, Valerie, has become, that's that experiential piece, right? So that's that's saying that we put kids in a, in a Sunday school or children's church uh, type of environment that can really become its own thing where that child might be trying to make the connection between what does, what does ancient Babylon have to do with uh, the digital one that I'm living in right now? You know, what's the relevancy between my parents uh, neglecting me or the, the bad habits that they're a part of? to this Bible lesson. So kids are navigating very challenging things today. And so experience is huge when, when a disciple makers can walk along them in their life's journey and help them navigate some of the key conversations that kids need to be engaged in today. That's missing in a lot of discipleship attempts. So in that experience element, the highly scriptural and the gospel center shaping worldview and the belonging piece are all three present. Uh, the impact is much, much higher. Yeah, and I, I like to think of that uh, uh, becoming piece as, the, you know, the experiential that leads to allegiance. It's This is a huge word for our, our culture and for us as Christians. Where are the hearts? Where is our loyalty? Uh, where do we place our flag and what does it say? And so, you know, when, when we look at belong, believe, become, and those uh, descriptors underneath uh, belong, our, our affection, uh, believe our, our truth, what do we, where is our truth coming from, uh, and become our allegiance. We built a model then for identity. Mm. They all build identity, and this is identity in Christ, and it's discipleship. And that's the model 
that we're pursuing. Bible memory is a part of it, a really important part of it. And a Bible teaching is a really important part of it. But there are these components of the loving, caring adult and the uh, place where I can come and see faith in action that are also very important and are all part of building this important identity in Christ. Yeah, that, that's excellent because when it comes down to it, it's great if, if our kids um, can share a scripture, you know, passage that they've memorized, but really we don't want them just to, to know, you know, have memorized something. We want it to impact their lives, their perspective, their heart, their actions, right? So um, I love how the, the belong and becoming, you know, kind of bookend this idea of what we really believe yeah. um, and how we're growing as gospel-centered people, no matter how old or how young we are, right? So um, I, I think that's super powerful. Can you talk to us, um, Matt and Valerie, a little bit about what, you know, kind of very, very practically speaking, what do some of these elements look like a week at a church? Like, what do some of those belong elements look like? What does the believe element look like? What does the become element look like? Yeah, certainly. So, so many of our our churches, uh, one, one of the big challenges is uh, just simply having loving, caring adults who are, are going to be there. So, so many of our programs are designed to entertain kids. And one of our board members, Wes Stafford, likes to say, you know, the last thing our kids need is more entertainment. They need someone to love for them, know them, care for them, and to challenge them to, to live it out. So when we think about that belonging piece, uh, certainly we need, we need what we traditionally would call, we need more volunteers, but I think at a higher level, we need key senior leaders in the local church to realize child discipleship is one of the most strategic and most future forward and fruitful investments of mm -hmm. the local church. So if we can be casting that vision on a regular basis, that this is the most strategic place to place our energy as a church, that has more to do with casting, casting vision. And if, and if we can cast vision to the parents in our church and to, and to the, you know, the elder saints in our church and remind them, who was it who impacted you? Who was it who came alongside of you in a time of need or walked alongside you as a disciple maker? And we need to be awakened that that right there is some of the highest, uh, most significant, what we, we would consider one of the most crucial conversations in the church today is that level of engagement uh, from those adults who are going to communicate belonging. They're going to exude belonging to where kids think that this is a place where I belong, right? And we want them to feel that for the rest of their lives. You know, we want them to love Jesus for the rest of their lives so that church isn't just a place you went when you were a kid, but it's a place where you find absolute uh, acceptance and care and love. It's a place when you fall in life that the, the, you want to run to to get help. Um, it's the place that cares about you when you go away to college, uh, when you get married, when you have your first children. It's the place where you belong for the rest of your life. So imagine, imagine these, what we historically called volunteers, which I think we really need to shift that to child disciple makers. Imagine if they're challenged by leadership to text those families throughout the week, reach out to those families, encourage them along. And then this creates what Kara Powell calls that sticky web, you know, five adults per child who are pouring into them. 
but it's that sticky web of faith where those those kids look back and say that was beautiful that was the church that's what i want i want to follow jesus for the rest of my life as valerie just said and, and those are my people COVID brought us some gifts because we were zooming into children's homes uh, to complete the Awana year. And for the first time, a lot of our churches went, wow, that's, so that's those kids' parents. Or wow, so they're from a home where there's no faith at all. Or, you know, it was a, it was a eye-opening experience. And I think a lot of our people, a lot of our Awana people, as they reported back to us, their real realization was we need to be more present in these kids' lives. We, we need to know their parents. We need to know the homes that they're coming from. And so as strange as it seems, COVID brought us some gifts that I hope we don't drop. I hope we hold on to those as goals as we go into the future. Yeah, so so with Believe, uh, which again, we, we'd say that's rooted in scripture, rooted in the gospel, and in prayer and, and communicating uh, to, to God our Father. So, uh, so many churches um, are doing this really well. Uh, but again, as I alluded to a little bit ago, uh, we might be tempted to go to a Bible light strategy or, or, or it, perhaps a more moralistic, I think it's what Christian Smith calls moralistic therapeutic deism, which is essentially taking values and virtues from the scripture, which are good, mm -hmm. but those are the fruit, not the root of the tree. That's not central. What's central is the main story of the gospel, that God uh, created this world and, and humankind fell. Christ is our only redeemer. And as a result of the gospel, he's restoring us and we bring pieces of restoration from his kingdom into the world. So th that is the gospel. So uh, making sure in our ministry, are we teaching the thread, that thread of the gospel through the scripture? And are we finding ways for our kids and the parents and, and, and those child disciple makers to regularly take those next steps of Bible engagement? You know, one of LifeWay's key research findings from recent years, which shouldn't surprise us, is that Bible engagement is one of the key factors in long-term spiritual growth. And so regularly engaging the scripture, uh, whether it's, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, we'd all like to think that Charles Spurgeon, little Charles Spurgeons are living in our home and they're spending an hour a day in God's word, <laughs> but regular scripture engagement, they're like little Lego bricks that build up over time that build a solid foundation. So scripture engagement is hugely important and in inspiring our families, inspiring our parents uh, to help uh, to walk alongside of their kids and to engage in scripture. But to Valerie's point earlier, only so many children are not getting that at home. Many, many families are only coming to church 1.7 times a week. And only 12% of parents are even having spiritual conversations with their kids. So that goes back to the church to say, well, if, if this is not happening in so many homes, we've got to create ways to take the gospel, this biblical engagement and find ways to help kids take regular next steps. You know, and I think uh, it's really important for us to understand the, the um, why this is important in children's lives. So I'm going to just tell a short story here. I sat with a woman I didn't know for lunch. We were both business on business trips, and she was by herself. I was by myself. We ended up sitting next to each other. And as I talked to her, she asked what I did. I told her about Awana. And she said, oh, I used to um, memorize scriptures when I was a kid, but it doesn't really mean anything to me now, except every once in a while, a Bible verse will come to me out of nowhere. <laughs> hmm. 
And I just kind of smiled at that because I thought, here this woman, she thinks she's on a business trip, but God sits her next to me and has her tell me that story. And I said to her, the word of God is still alive in you. Uh, whether your head is there or not, it's still active in your life. And I believe that, uh, I told her, God writes the last chapter, and your last chapter mm-hmm. isn't written yet. And God is going to bring other people to sit next to you when you're by yourself to have these kinds of talks with you to help point you back to God and uh, the call that he's uh, putting out in your life. So, you know, all those verses that she learned as a child are still dwelling in these uh, people as they grow up into adulthood. They're still dwelling richly, the scripture says. And so childhood is the ideal time uh, for that to be highly invested in people's lives. Yeah, that's, that's a powerful story. Um, and, and then what about practically becoming? What does, what does that look like uh, practically at, you know, in a, a church ministry? So when I was leading a few years back, I was leading a fifth grade life group and I got permission from the kids pastor uh, for him to let me kind of take a break from the curriculum because I was beginning to notice that these fifth graders, you know, fifth grade's like you're right on the brink. You're leaving elementary and you're leaning toward uh, you know, middle school, high school. And these fifth graders, I was noticing that they were ready for bigger conversations. And especially with mobile technology, this has, you know, changed. Or it's increased the level of knowledge that kids have at a much younger age these guys were just ready. And so we, we sat down and my wife and I built a list of like, what are the key conversations these kids need to be engaged in? And we plotted out about a half a dozen and we took them through that over the course of the school year. And it was amazing how, how much these kids were ready for more robust conversations, but without, without us kind of uncovering that, what the danger is what's happening is we're teaching kids the Bible, which, teaching kids the Bible is not a, not a danger, but only teaching kids the Bible, but not engaging them in the deeper pool that they're experiencing outside of that simulation world. And so by, by doing this, uh, we made a real big connection that we've got to not teach kids the scripture, but help them navigate the world outside that many of them, their parents don't even know what they're dealing with. Because mm-hmm. the mobile phone has changed that to where uh, kids can live in isolation, right? Like kid could be online in social media, engaging with someone perhaps about atheism or other areas uh, that, that could really undermine their faith in Christ and their thinking and, and really even be deceiving perhaps. Um, but, but if there's a loving and caring adult who knows them, who's asking them the questions and engaging with them, that child knows, oh, I can talk to them about this. They can help me navigate this changing culture. And then another aspect of that is is giving them, like we said a little bit ago, giving them experiences. Churches have to continue to find creative ways to make faith not not just a one-way learning process, but a way to actually live it out uh, experientially. And there's a lot of ways that churches can do that, but they've got to continue to think more and more creatively. And so Valerie mentioned this earlier, but what's underneath all of that? What's underneath all of that is allegiance, helping them to live out, not an allegiance to self or the secular culture, but to live out an allegiance uh, to Christ and to, to the local church. You know, I, I got kind of stuck on the COVID brought us gifts. <laughs> and I wanted to just share this too, because I think it's, uh, it's leading us. It's a, it's a phrase that is, 
meaning so much to us at this point. So much around us is negative right now. We're concerned about our kids. We're concerned about the future of the church. We're concerned about our health. Everything seems so heavy and dark. And um, in the midst of that, we received just this phrase, uh, and I believe it was from God, and it was, um, raise up the greatest generation of disciples. Hmm. Raise up the greatest generation of disciples. So don't get stuck in the mire of how terrible it is, the world around you, but have a dream that's holy and, uh, and big and one that can wrap its arms around a whole globe full of kids. Um, and that has been inspiring us of late and making us think, you know, God wants us to not be um, buffaloed or depressed or uh, feeling like it's too hard of a task. Uh, I think he's saying to us, you can do this and, and let's, work together so that by 2050, we have a church that is unbelievably beautiful. So I just, you know, as uh, I know we're probably getting close to the end here, but I just thought maybe somebody else in their heart as they're listening to this needed to have a dream, uh, needed to have a sense that we are participating with God in something yeah, that's bigger than us, but he's with us. Yes. And that um, we're not necessarily going to lose, you know, that there is a plan for the church and there's a plan for this generation of kids. Yeah, that, that's great. I, I love that. And and really, I, I was, I mean, you just kind of answered a question that I was going to raise is what what is your hope? Um, you know, what are, what are you hoping to accomplish in this next generation of believers? And I think that's that's something that, in the midst of, of all the craziness we've all been experiencing, um, to cling to that hope and to see how we can step in, how we can help um, nurture and not just entertain um, the, the kids during this time and not just keep them kind of busy during this time, but how can we lean in and disciple them um, and give them those, those strong roots that they need. Uh, could you talk to us uh, just a little bit and let us know if, if those listening in um, like to learn more about some of the research that you did, more about a, a lot of that I know is, is in the book, um, Resilient. Um, but then also if, if they want to learn more about the book and then also Awana, how can they, how can they connect with those resources? Certainly. So we, we created a, a new landing spot for our, for our message. And if you go to resilientdisciples.com, you can get access to the book on, on that website. You're going to find thought leadership uh, resources, free, free resources for leaders, uh, whether that's videos or podcasts or blogs in this whole topic of child discipleship and the future of the church and all that's happening in our culture um, and how, you know, basically a lot, a lot of what we've done in recent decades, we're asking the question, is it going to uh, produce the level of uh, spiritual resilience needed to be a thriving disciple in the future. So you can find that on resilientdisciples.com, the book, videos, podcasts, but also there is a brand new curriculum, Jason. It's called Bright. Bright uh, is a, a new curriculum for elementary students and for high school students, elementary, middle school, and high school students uh, designed to help churches make disciples. So Awana is very much known as a midweek 
ministry in the U.S. Uh, we are more than that around the world, but that's what we're known for here. So we've created Bright to help churches make disciples in the weekend space. It's entirely digital, downloadable. We've got some good partnerships in that curriculum uh, as well. And then clearly for our, for our, our organization, we can go to awana.org and get information about the global ministry that we referred to earlier. Uh, you can know how to join as a partner uh, to donate and to learn more or to start an Awana, a local Awana club ministry, which is typically airs in the midweek space. Excellent. Thank you so much, Matt and Valerie, for your heart for children, um, your heart for the, for the kingdom and to see them um, rooted in, in scripture and rooted in the truth of the gospel and uh, that they'd be raised in such a way that they would uh, not only be transformed themselves, but be a, a, a part of the transformation of the world in which we live. So I love your heart for that. And thank you for taking time to be with us on the Church Leaders Podcast. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. We hope you are finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast, and if so, we would appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcast so they can benefit as well. Thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send an email to podcasts at churchleaders.com or connect with me on Twitter. You can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app, available for both Apple and Android. So be sure to check out Faith Play. Until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well, and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.